may be seated. Moses, that was wonderful. You guys sounded fantastic. Wow. Praise the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. I hope that you brought your Bibles today because we're going to do a little bit of Bible study. We're going to we're going to be in the scriptures a lot. So if you don't have your Bible or if you don't have the tech, you know, some people have the Bible app, which is okay. We're going to look at a lot of scripture today. I want you to go first of all, we're in Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to finish up Hebrews chapter 12 today. Can you believe we only have one more chapter? Maybe we should pause and go to another book and come. No. Technically, I never really finished the book of John. Maybe, I'll come, maybe we'll have to go back and do John. Or Genesis. I know. I got to the story of Joseph and stopped. But we're going to finish this book, Lord willing, right? We're in chapter 12 and verses 25 to 29. Verses 25 to 29. See to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if those did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape who turn away from him who warns us from heaven. And his voice shook the earth then, but now he is promised, saying, Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. Now this expression, yet once more, indicates the removing of those things which can be shaken as of created things, so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we, we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. There's going to be a shaking that happens in history. I did a Google search of how many uh, earthquakes happen, and it depends on which Google site you go to. Anywhere from 20,000 to a half a million happen every year. Most of them you don't feel. I've never, I felt a tremor here one time in Phoenix, I think it was. Um, I think I felt one tremor in California one time. For the most part, most of them do, don't get felt. The writer is, is finishing his, his book, and he is, this is actually a pastor who is preaching to his, his flock, and he's been warning them to not turn away from God. Now he's pulling out all stops. He tells them that if the people at Sinai, which was the previous chapter, we looked at Sinai and Zion. If the people at Sinai, who when God spoke to the children of Israel and gave them commandments, it says that the earth shook. If they turned away and it wasn't good for them, how much more will those who now hear the gospel have something even greater happen? There's three, in this section, I'm going to share three main points or three headings. One is the, sh the shaking or the removal. I'll call it the removal. 
second is the remaining, and third is the reply. Shaking is a metaphor for judgment in history. He's actually quoting in verse 26, he says, and his voice shook the earth then, but now he has promised yet once more. Verse 26, you see that? I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. That's in Haggai. So why don't you go to, to, to the prophet Haggai. Go to your left. And find the book of Haggai. We're looking at a lot of scripture, so we're going to just go do a little more of a Bible study than a, than a quote-unquote sermon. Haggai is, if you find, find Matthew, you go about three books left, or two books? Let me think here. Two or three books left. Zechariah, Haggai, two. <laughs> In Haggai, Haggai is a prophet that actually is writing to the children of Israel that came after the deportation. They were released by uh, King Cyrus of Persia, and they've started rebuilding Jerusalem. And they sort of started on the foundation of, of the temple, but then like 16 years go by and they do nothing. And so God is kind of telling Haggai, hey, get these people to, to build my temple again. But in chapter 2, this is where Hebrews is quoting. In chapter 2, verse 6, For so, thus says Yahweh, the Lord of hosts, once more in the little while I am going to shake the heavens and the earth. By the way, the word shake in Greek is the word seizo, which we get the word seismograph. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a agitating, right? It's just, it's to be, to shake, right? I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth and the sea also and the dry land, and I will shake all the nations, and they will come with desirable things of all nations, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. So he says in verse 27 of Hebrews, yet once more, I'm going to shake as of created things. There's going to come a shaking of this created world, the universe. Uh, and things shake in God's presence. We saw that back in Exodus 19. I'm just going to read to you. Now at Mount Sinai was all in smoke because the Lord descended upon it uh, with fire, uh, in fire, and its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked violently. When God shows up, there's a shaking that happens. Creation shakes. The psalmist says in Psalm 68, O God, when you went forth before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, the earth quaked, and the heavens also dropped rain at the presence of God. Sinai itself shaked at the presence of God, the God of Israel. And of course, also the people trembled at the presence of God. There's going to be a future shaking of all of creation. This is what the Hebrew writer is, is alluding to. And this is also known as the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord. <clears throat> um, go, you're in Haggai, or, or did I leave you? Did I drop you off in Haggai, or take you back to Hebrews? Okay, so let's go to, uh, to the prophet Joel. Go to Joel. Go left, a couple books. Minor prophets are called minor, not because of their topics, because they're, they're just smaller books. That's why they're called minor prophets. The minor prophets. And Joel is one of them. 
Joel 1, verse 15. I'm just going to read that, and then we'll go to chapter 2. Alas, for the day, for the day of the Lord, or the day of Yahweh is near, and it will come as destruction from the Almighty. Then the verse 1 of chapter 2. Blow a trumpet in Zion, and make a loud shout on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord is coming, surely it is near. I'm going to keep reading this entire, uh, not uh, for a good part of the chapter. Just stay with me, okay? For surely it is near, a day of darkness and thick darkness, a day of clouds and dense gloom, as the dawn is spread over the mountains. So there is a numerous and mighty people that has never, uh, there has never been anything anything like it, nor will there be again after for, for the years from generation to generation. A fire consumes before them, a fire uh, behind them, a flame burns. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them, but a desolate wilderness behind them, and nothing escapes. This is the day of God's wrath. For their appearance is like the appearance of horses. Skip on down to um, verse 10. Before them the earth trembles and the, the heavens quake. The sun and the moon grow dark, and the stars lose their brightness. But Yahweh gives forth his voice before his military force. Surely his camp is very numerous, for mighty is he who does his word. The day of the Lord is indeed great and very awesome who can endure it. When's the last time you heard a message on the day of the Lord? It's been a while. Well, here I haven't heard talk because I'm... Here's the thing. At our church, we go verse by verse through books of the Bible. So guess what? It's brought up. I can't skip it or pass over. This is a significant day that is coming. And the scripture prophesies of this day of God's judgment that's coming. Calls it the day of wrath, the day of the Lord, the day of judgment. Uh, You're still in, in Joel 2, right? So if you go to verse 28 of Joel 2... This is where Peter quotes from Acts chapter 2. He quotes here at the day of Pentecost. He says, And it will be afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy, and your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. Even on the male slaves and female slaves, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And I will put wonders in the sky and on the earth, blood, fire, and columns of smoke, The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it will be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be delivered. Go to to the prophet Isaiah. Go to your left. Isaiah 13. Isaiah 13, and let's look at verse 6. Wail, for the day of the Lord is near. It will come as destruction from the Almighty. Therefore all hands will fall limb, and every man's heart will melt. They will be terrified. Pains and labor pains will take hold of them. They will writhe like a woman in labor. They will, all, they will look at one another in astonishment, their faces aflame. 
Behold, the day of Yahweh is coming, cruel with fury and burning anger to make the land a desolation, and he will exterminate its sinners from it. For the stars of heaven and their constellations will not flash forth their light. The sun will be dark when it rises, and the moon will not shed its light. Thus I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. If you're wondering if people are getting away with murder, quote-unquote, they're not going to get away with it. This is the day that, that is coming, the day of the Lord, the day of God's judgment, where God will punish those who aren't in Christ are then going to have to bear the weight of his wrath. Amen, that we are not, those of us who are in Christ, Christ has borne the wrath of God for us. Let's keep reading. Verse 10, uh, verse, uh, I will punish the, the world for its evil and the wicked for its iniquity. Wait, did I skip a verse? I, okay. I will also put an end to the pride of the arrogant and bring low the lofty pride of the ruthless. I will make a mortal, mortal man scarcer than fine gold and mankind than the gold of opiate. Therefore, I will make the heavens tremble and the earth will be shaken from its place. So the idea again, shaking. God shaking the earth. Isaiah 24, let's go there. Behold, Isaiah 24, Behold, Yahweh empties the earth to destruction, eviscerates it, distorts its surface, and scatters its inhabitants. And the people will be like the priest and the male slave like his master, the female slave like her mistress, the buyer like the seller, the lender like the borrower, the creditor. Everything is being evened out, right? The earth will be completely empty to destruction and completely plundered, for Yahweh has spoken his word. The earth mourns and withers, the world languishes and withers, the exalted of the people of the earth languish. The earth is also polluted by its inhabitants, for they have trespassed laws, violated statutes, broke the everlasting covenant. Therefore, a curse devours the earth, and those who inhabit it are held guilty. Therefore, the inhabitants of the earth are burned, and few men remain. These, this is heavy language, isn't it? This is heavy-duty stuff. Skip on down to verse 19. The earth is broken, the earth is split through, the earth is shaken violently. The earth reels to and fro like a drunkard. It totters like a shack, for its transgression is heavy upon it, and it will fall never again to rise. So it will be in that day that Yahweh will punish the host on heights of heights on high and the kings of the earth. That means earthly leaders and also angelic leaders will be called into account. Everyone is called into account on the day of the Lord. I'm just reading the text. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to soften the blow. I'm just going to let it the way it is because that's the word of the Lord. Amen? God is going to... Well, go back to... You're still in Haggai? No, Isaiah. Sorry. Go back to Haggai. I'm just going to point something out. Well, let me just read it because I want you to go back to... Stay in Isaiah. Stay in Isaiah, okay? 
But in Haggai, he says in verse 22, he says, I will overthrow the thrones and destroy the power of the kingdoms and the nations. I will overthrow the chariots and their riders, the horses and their riders, everyone by the sword. In other words, God is going to overthrow nations and kingdoms. Those who are proud, who are highly exalted, are going to have a day of reckoning. Go to Isaiah 2. You guys are in Isaiah 24. Go to Isaiah 2. Isaiah 2. I'm going to read verse 12 and then skip to verse 19. Actually, um, verse 10, Isaiah 2.10. Enter the rock and hide in the dust from the dread of the Lord and from the splendor of his majesty. The lofty uh, look of man will be made low and the man made high will be bowed down and the Lord alone will be exalted on that day. See, up until, up until that day, everyone on earth has a tendency to want to raise up themselves above somebody else. Everyone's striving for exalted position, for attention, for the whole thing, right? For power and glory and worship. It's in the, it's in the heart of man to want to do that. But this day that's coming, all of everyone. It's interesting in Ezekiel, I think it's Ezekiel, where it's referring to the king of Tyre, uh, who is a picture of, of, of Satan, who's brought down low. And they're saying, is this the man who made the nations like afraid? I'm paraphrasing. Is this, is this the guy? Well, in that day, there is no exalted anyone. Everyone's brought low where we should be. Right? Verse 12. For Yahweh, the Lord of hosts, will have a day of reckoning against everyone who is proud and high and against everyone who is lifted up, that he be, may be made low. Verse 17, the loftiness of man will be brought, bowed down, and the men who are high will be made low, and Yahweh, the Lord alone, will be exalted in that day. The idols will completely vanish. Men will go into caves of the rocks, into holes of the ground, before the dread of the Lord, and before the splendor of his majesty, when he arises to make the earth tremble or shake and that day men will cast away to the moles and the bats their silvers their idols of silver and their idols of gold for which they made for themselves to worship like they'll throw it all away because no that's going to help right in order to go into the caverns of the rocks and the clefts of the cliffs clefts that's a tongue twister it's clefts of the cliffs before the dread of the Lord and the splendor of his majesty when he arises to make the earth tremble. Then he says, stop regarding man whose life of breath is in his nostrils, for why should he be esteemed? Jesus says that the meek shall inherit the earth, right? The lowly, the humble, will. there's coming a day of reckoning where God's going to shake the world literally and spiritually in all kinds of categories and all those things you build up for yourself and all these accolades is going to mean nothing. Amen? That's why Jesus says that in the 
In those days the sun will be dark and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Men will faint from fear in the expectations of the things that are coming upon the world for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. God will judge the nations of the earth. He'll dethrone kingdoms and powers. And he'll rule through his his Messiah through Christ. Through uh, in Haggai, he talks about uh, Zerubbabel, who is a type of Christ, who is in the Davidic line. He'll rule through him, through Christ. You're still in Isaiah. Okay, let's do. <laughs> I'll get. What, I got one verse. I'll just read it to you. There's uh, Isaiah 34. Talk about God removing. All the host of heaven will wear away, and the sky will be rolled up like a scroll. Go there, Isaiah 34. I'm sorry. Let me just show you this. Is everyone still with me? Okay, all right. It's amazing how much Scripture is devoted to this one day, or this to this time period of, of God's wrath coming, right? Isaiah 34 Uh, I'll just read uh, verse 4. I'm going to point something out. Verse 4. And all the host of heaven will rot away, and the sky will be rolled up like a scroll, and all their host will wither away as leaf withers from the vine, uh, or as one withers from the... Now, the all of creation is just going to be... It's almost like God's going to just do away with it. Now, this is... It's hard for us to conceive this, because we think about... Like, I watch these videos of how they're describing new galaxies with this new... Hel- uh, this new uh, James... Uh, um, telescope up in the up it's amazing what they're finding they're finding i mean and it's now it's blowing away their um their whole cosmology of science is now having to be written because they're realizing they're seeing further further into space and guess what they're finding massive galaxies that ought not to exist according to their cosmological understanding the big bang theory they've looked further into space and they found galaxies that ought not to exist why because they didn't read genesis one or two because the order in Genesis is different than the order of the Big Bang. In fact, when God says, here's, here's, here's what he says about the stars. I'm not a scientist. I just think it's interesting. We're holding our breath. Oh, no, maybe they'll find out that the Bible's really wrong. They're going to find that they're wrong because they're all now scrambling. Is dark matter really a real thing? All this kind of stuff. They're, they're, now they're coming up with new theories. Oh, the a, 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 a universe that existed before ours. All this nonsense, right? But God's going to take all of the created order and sort of undo it. I don't know how that works out. And again, I'm not a scientist. I, I just read the text. By the way, God was there in the beginning. None of us were. So, but it's interesting. I'm not getting into Genesis. I'm not going to get into all that. But I think it's interesting. In Genesis, it says, and he made the stars also. Almost like it's an afterthought. And by the way, the order, my understanding, is different than the Big Bang order. That's a whole other thing, right? I read the Bible simply. I'm a simple man. If I'm wrong, praise the Lord. But God's going to remove the present heavens and earth. He's going to shake and remove things in creation. Look at Psalm 102. Look at Psalm 102. 
So I want to you. And I know I'm not an expert in cosmology or science. I understand that. And again, I just read the text the way it's is written. What's cool about the Bible is you can be an infant and read the scripture and get something out, and you can be a double or triple PhD and still get something, or still be confounded by its mysteries, right? Yeah. Psalm 102, verse 25. Of old you founded the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. Even they will perish, but you will remain. We'll come back to this in the second point, but I just want to read it to you now, right? All of them will wear out like a garment. I feel like that right now, don't you? (laughs) Like clothing, you will change them and they will be changed, but you are the same. They will wear out, um, but you are the same. Okay. One more, one more section. Go to Second Peter three. Second Peter, all the way to the back. You find Hebrews, then go to your right towards the end. So you got James, First Peter, and then Second Peter. So. Now, what's interesting, when we're going to read some New Testament scripture, New Testament agrees with Old Testament. They're not at odds. Second Peter 3. Again, we're talking about the removal or the shaking. Verse 7. <clears throat> Actually, can I go back a few verses? Um, verse 5. Verse 4. He's referring to people that are scoffing. He goes, and they're saying, these mockers from verse 3. Verse 4 says, where is the promise? This is what the mockers are saying. Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. I'm, gonna, I'm sorry, I look outside. It's a beautiful day today, right? I'm enjoying it. I look at, I mean, yes, all, everything seems to be like normal, right? Like, like it's all carry on as it always was, right? And Jesus says, they thought that in the days of Noah. They were living and they're eating and drinking and giving a marriage and everything. And then sudden destruction came. Because it wasn't on their charts, right? None of this was on their charts. They didn't see this, this, the day of the Lord. It's not like some asteroid they're tracking on earth, uh, uh, in space that's coming to this earth. It's something that they can't track unless they're in the word, right? See, all of creation bows down to God. Right? Well, I mean, we're, we're, you know, we're, 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 um, we're living, we live in a fallen, we live in a fallen world, but um, creation's under his power. So they say, where's all this, where everything's the same? Verse five, when they say this, it escapes their notice that the word of God, and that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago and their earth was formed out of water by water through which the world at that time was destroyed, being deluged with waters. For into Noah, verse 7, But by his word the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire. Don't worry about global warming. There's going to be global fire that's coming. <laughs> yeah. a global, there's a, a, a cosmic shaking and a... 
Verse 7, by, by his word, the present heavens and the earth are being reserved for fire, for being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. Skip down to verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with the roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be found out. This is like God removing all of the created order. Everything you see will be removed. God's going to burn it up and start afresh. Verse 11, since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be but to be holy in conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming day of the Lord, because of which the heavens burning will be destroyed and the elements will melt with intense heat. Revelation, last one, Revelation chapter 6. Everybody still with me? I mean, it's significant. So, and, you know, maybe we'll do a book next, next book that we'll do with eschatology or something. We'll see. Revelation 6. And I'm just going to skip into, there's, there's seals, there's trumpets, there's bowls, you know. But in, in verse 12 of Revelation 6, um, then I looked when he opened the sixth seal and there was a great, What? Earth shaking. Okay, so the theme is consistent: Old Testament, New Testament. And the sun became black as sackcloth made of hair, and the whole moon became like blood. We saw that in Isaiah 13. We saw that in Joel 2. Right? There's other scriptures as well. And the stars of the sky fell to the earth, and as a, as a fig tree cast its unripe figs when shaken by a great wind, and the sky was split apart like a scroll when it's rolled up. That's like Isaiah 34, like this tearing away of creation. And every mountain and island were moved out of its place. Then the kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders of, of, and the rich and the strong and every slave and free man hid themselves in caves. What does that sound like? Isaiah 2. We just read that. And they hid themselves among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains of the rocks, Fall on us, hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne, from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of their wrath has come. Who is able to stand? Now, the scripture also adds that God's going to bring in the new heavens and new earth. Isaiah 65 says, Behold, I recreate a new heavens and new earth. By the way, we're not going to have to wait 10 billion, 13 billion years for that new, cre- new creation to come. Amen? We're not. For just as the new heavens and new earth which I make will endure before me, so your offspring will remain. And there's many more scriptures. Romans talks about how creation is now under bondage to corruption. But the shaking involves God removing everything that is not tied to him. Right? When the shaking happens, life lived for self. Those who are proud and arrogant will be shaken. Trust in man will be shaken. Trust in the world system will be shaken. Trust in our accomplishments will be shaken. Trust in our political leaders will be shaken. Disobedience 
and wickedness will be shaken. Pride and arrogance will be shaken. All that, right? It's interesting. You look at the book of Daniel, and Daniel and Daniel uh, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, and Daniel interprets, and he is able to see significant kingdoms that will come: the Medo-Persian, the Greek, the Roman, and then the revived Roman Empire. Okay, all that has come and gone. All the political leaders, all powers, all kingdoms, they all come and go. All of them are shaken. The only things that will last are things that, well, are tied to God. Look at verse 27b. Go back to Hebrews, sorry. Go back to Hebrews. Hebrews 12 says, in verse 27, yes, once more indicates the removing of those things which will be shaken. Created things. You understand, when he says a new heaven and new earth, that means everything's brand new. In fact, it, uh, I'll, well, I'll get to you in a second. Um, so he says, the removal of those things that can be shaken, that's 27a, part b, now second point, so that the remaining, those things which cannot be shaken may remain. The word remain means to continue or to last. It stresses the stability, the, remain, the stability of God. God will remain, amen? God is our unshakable rock. Psalm 62 says, He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I will not be greatly shaking. So, the rest of the world's going shaking. Where are you standing? On the rock? That doesn't move? Or on your own accomplishments? On your own good deeds? On your reputation? On your wealth? On your poverty? All that's shaken, but God the rock is not shaken. That's why he says, we said, we looked at Psalm 102. He says, you endure. They will perish. You will endure. All of them will wear out like a clothing, but you are the same, and your years will not come to an end. What's going to remain? God's going to remain. What's going to remain? God's word's going to remain. Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not. Talk, talk about that. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will remain. It will never pass away. It means for all of eternity, his word will still be applicable. For all of eternity, his word will still be true. His word still, will still be powerful. Maybe people are, people's love for us are shaken, or our love for people will be shaken. But God's love for us will not be shaken. Amen? His faithfulness, his loving kindness... Uh, Isaiah 54.10 says, For the mountains may be removed and the hills may shake, but my loving kindness, this is the Lord speaking, will not be removed for you. And my covenant of peace will not be shaken, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Psalm 94.18 says, If I should say my foot has slipped, your loving kindness, O Lord, will hold me up. In a day now, we're looking forward to the day of wrath, the day of the Lord, but in our lives when things shake around us, God is still faithful and true. Amen? Christ's kingdom will rule and remain. Go to the book of Daniel. Let's go back to Daniel. Go back. That's we're not back. We haven't been there today, but let's go to Daniel. So if you were in Isaiah before, you were close. 
just a couple of books to the right from Daniel, from Isaiah. Uh, let's go to Daniel 2. Is everyone still with me? Yep. Okay. All right. Daniel 2 and verse 44. And this is in the midst of Daniel interpreting that dream that Nebuchadnezzar saw. And he, he, he talks about these other kings that will pass away, right? Verse 44 is, And in the, in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will cause a kingdom to rise up which will never be destroyed. And that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms, but it will itself stand forever. That's the kingdom of Christ. Amen? Yes. Go to Daniel 7. Daniel 7. You know what they ought to make? I love the sound of turning pages, you know? What they ought to make is on your iPad when you're turning a page, like it sounds like, like a page sound. That's what they ought to do, right? I would, get, I, would, I, 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 would love, I would love to, yeah, maybe. Verse 13, Daniel 7, verse 13. I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. This is why Jesus and Luke, he calls himself the son of man, because every time he says that, he's referring back to this, to this chapter. One like a son of man was coming, and he came up to the ancient of days, that's God the Father, and came near before him, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all the peoples, nations of men of every tongue may serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which will not be taken away. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. What a contrast, right? Everything else that is man-made or man-centered will be taken away, will be shaken, will falter, will shake, will, will fail, right? But Christ, his rule is forever and will never be shaken. Where is your faith in right now? Is that on the unshakable rock? Jesus Christ? I don't know about you, but I am looking forward. You know what? Um, where's, the, where's, the, uh, where's the verse I'm looking at? I'm looking forward. I just interrupted myself, didn't I? Oh, oh hold on. Stay here, guys. Stay, stay where you're at. I'll, I'll come back at you. Hold on. Something just came in my mind. I think it's in Isaiah 24. Hold on. There's a verse I had marked because I wanted to point it out. Oh, maybe it's not there. It's somewhere. 32? Is it 32? No, 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 no. Um, where was I at? Isaiah? I'll come back to it. It's, oh, wait, oh, it's, oh, wait, hold on, hold on. I didn't take you guys there. Um, no, 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 no. A different, a different, um, Hold on, hold on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I just wanted to point something out. Oh, boy. Oh. I think it's Isaiah 65. Um, yeah, Isaiah, go to Isaiah 65. Sorry, guys. Isaiah 65. Verse 17. Watch this. Watch this. This is cool, okay? 
Isaiah 65, 17. For behold, I am creating a new heavens and a new earth. Right? We, we, we talk about that. But look at the next part of the verse. Look. Isaiah 65, 17. And the former things will not be remembered or come upon the heart. Okay, there's... 10,000 years from now, a million years from now, I don't know how long from now, when we are in the new heavens and new earth, we are not going to even remember the pain and sorrow of this life. The former things will not be remembered. It doesn't mean they're not significant, right? But God's going to so wipe this, everything so clean. It's going to be so brand new that even the memories of the suffering and the pain and the sorrow and the difficulties of life will be not even a distant memory, a forgotten memory. Not even memory. You will not be remembered any longer. Some of us constantly live in our minds the traumas of the past, Right? The failures and the disappointments of the, fa- of the past. We say, if only I can go back and make a different decision. If I don't go back and make things right. But there's coming a day. We, first of all, in God's mind, that's all clean in Christ. If you're in Jesus Christ, that's all wiped clean. Praise the Lord, right? But I don't know about you. Sometimes I still think about things that God has already forgiven me about. And I'm like, God, I have to still atone for it. And God says, no, I forgot about it. Here it's telling me the former things are not even remembered. Now, we're going to know one another. But those difficult things, this, the, 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 oh boy, I, I'm going to start praising the Lord here, right? So it's not like God's going to take this earth and refashion it and repurpose it and the sun and repurpose it. It's all going to burn up and the new creation is not going to be subject to the corruption of this creation. It's as if God is allowing sin and corruption to take its full course in this world. And then there's a point where he says, enough. I sometimes I like, watch, I like watching these guys who go camping, you know, they go by themselves and they, hey, here's how to survive without a tent in Alaska when it's 60 below, you know, and they, you know, <laughs> I like, and they, they make these, these, these huge fire pits and they, whatever, at some point, all of those burning embers of sin and corruption are going to burn out and no longer. The new creation is not going to be subject to sin and decay and corruption. And I'm looking for my 25-year-old looking body, you know, with <laughs> short hair, long hair, whatever. Take your pick, right? I, don't, I wonder if there's skiing in heaven where you don't break a leg, you know, or if there's... But God's going to remove those things. And the things that remain are things that are in God, are in Christ, His rule. And what a difference that is from the life we live in today. You know, the worldliness, the kingdom, things come and go. Things are, are everything, you know, it's like you can't keep track of all of the ideas and, and philosophies and, and takes, it, it all, it's all the same, right? It all falls way short. 
place your faith in Jesus Christ, the stable rock. Amen? Let our character rest in faithfulness to Him. Those who belong to Christ will remain. Christ's work in my life will remain. Christ's redemption in my life will remain. Christ's love and forgiveness will remain. Christ's church, His bride, that's us, will remain. That's why David says of his faith in God, he says, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Is there something shaking you today? Is there something causing you to tremble and worry and doubt and and kind of teeter-totter? Because he's at my right hand, I will not be shaken. My God is my rock. Nothing troubles him. Nothing troubles him. The psalmist says, Cast your burden upon the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. Place your confidence in God. Place your confidence in God. That's why, look at our third point response. I'll, I'll go through this fastly. Go back to Hebrews. We're going to finish up this chapter. Praise the Lord, because I want to move on. But chapter 12, we're going to finish up. The last thing is a response. What are we to do? Watch this. Look at this. Look at verse 28. Therefore, Hebrews 12, 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. Now, before that, he told them this, these words. Look at verse 25 first. See to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. What that means is pay attention, take it seriously when God is speaking. What you do with what you know is significant. Listen with intent, listen with with interest. But now having understood what we just looked at, having understood what's coming let us live our lives with eternity in mind let us live our lives out of gratitude and thankfulness why because in jesus christ we are exempt from having to suffer the day of wrath that's why the deal with jesus is so wonderful it's like jesus takes our wrath or we take our wrath or God's wrath. Jesus takes the wrath for us, or we have to bear the wrath. And I don't know about you, but having just read everything we read, it was pretty heavy, wasn't it, right? I'm like, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. How do we, with gratitude, thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord for what you've saved me through. Let's live with eternity in our minds. Let's Invest our lives on the things that will be built on Christ. That's why he says in the Gospel of Luke, the one who hears my words and puts it to practice is like that man. He builds his house on the rock. And when the storm came and the winds blew, it stood. Why? Because it was built on the rock. And your life will be built on the rock if you listen with intent and obedience and build your life in faith on Jesus Christ. 
doesn't mean the winds and the waves, the waves, well, if you live on the shore, I guess the waves will come. The winds and the storms won't come. They will come. But are you building your life on the rock, on Jesus Christ? Let's serve God. Let's worship God. For we have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let's give praise to the Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. We thank you. We worship you, Lord. You are worthy of praise and worship. Worthy is the Lord. The psalmist says, do homage to the Son. Lord, you are our mighty, awesome, righteous, holy God who took the wrath onto His Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, thank You, Jesus, that You stood in our place. Thank You that that Your Word remains true. Thank You that You are immovable, unshakable, unchanging, reliable. Things we see in this world, Lord, on the news, world events, wars, rumors of wars, politics, wars, famine, all kinds of things can get us shaken and disturbed. But You remain the same. And history, Lord, is following Your course. You're the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning of the end and the end. Lord, thank you for redeeming us. And if there's anyone by the sound of my voice who doesn't trust in you, Father, I pray, Lord, that they would place their faith in Jesus Christ the rock. And he may he be he or she who trusts in you, Lord, will be like that man who's built on the rock who's planted firmly by the streams of water, who's, who's this oak that's firmly planted that is not shaken or disturbed when the storms come. Thank you, Father. Let us live our lives, Father, with gratitude and praise for all that you have accomplished. You are not only the Alpha and Omega uh, as, as God, of course, but you're the Alpha and Omega in our lives, in our salvation. You sought us out, Lord, you sought us when we weren't seeking for you, God. When we are still enemies, Christ died for us. But Lord, you sought us out and you are the lover of our soul and you are faithful to the end. We will forever praise you and let us live our lives in gratitude, by honoring you, by how we live, the choices we make. And Father, may our lives be a complete testimony to your faithfulness and your goodness. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Why don't we stand up? Bless the Lord. God is good. I feel like dancing now, you know? Father, I just pray your blessing on my friends here, my brothers and sisters, that their faith will be in you, the unshakable rock. And Lord, I pray these words. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you, Lord willing, on Saturday. Um, good question. I got to find out because they have more recitals. I have to double check. So let me find out. Good question.